0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni and joining me once again is Shay Dixon back in Baton Rouge from Tampa. Um, how was the trip? How are you feeling?
1: Tired between starting the month of December, the Heisman, and then mm-hmm. going straight into traveling for Christmas with family and then right to Tampa for a whole week. Uh, so Tampa's nice. Downtown Tampa is actually really cool. So uh, that was fun. Yeah. Um, got to see a lot of LSU fans, see a lot of people from the board. Uh, But yes, I'm back now, landed late last night. And uh, here we are, January 2nd, rolling uh, the podcast where we were supposed to start an hour ago and then news just started rolling in, Matty B. So uh, where do you want to start? Two big pieces of news. uh, And I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, more news will have come out and we'll have other podcasts to follow. But Two uh, notable players uh, going in separate directions here, but ultimately both leaving the LSU roster. Where do we begin?
0: We can start with, uh, I guess, the more positive news. Um, sure. Maki- Maki- positive, Wingo. In
1: a, positive in a congrats way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Congratulations to Makai Wingo for declaring for the NFL draft. Um, he started the year off with a bang against Florida State. We all remember that game. Uh, and then after that, it was kind of a little up and down. Uh, he at a certain point in the year was battling. Um, I don't remember exactly what the injury was. I could have went and read up on it exact, But um uh, lower, body, lower body injury. Uh, ends up having surgery on that. Misses the last five games of the year and then comes back for the bowl game uh, where he was really, really good. Uh, has two sacks and I thought played one of his best games of his career. So good to see that he's back at 100%. Uh, but, yeah, he let, leaves the game and, um, you know, within 24 hours, declares for the NFL draft. So congratulations to Makai Wingo. We'll talk about, you know, where it leaves LSU on the defensive line. But at the very least, I I think he he's an all-SEC caliber player when healthy.
1: Yeah, I uh, again, kudos to Makai. Great kid. We've spent, both of us, a lot of time around him in his two years here. And this was a guy, Matty B., who did not have to play in the game. I mean, he was coming off an injury, rehabbed it. As he said, blood—you know—poured everything he had into it uh, with the rehab to get back for the bowl to be there with his team, and I don't think it was just. And look, he had two big plays in that game in the second half that, uh, in the fourth quarter, that led to getting some stops and LSU ultimately winning the bowl game. But McKay had said. or I think people look at it and are like, well, he came back to the bowl so that he could up his draft stock. I mean, he's got enough tape out there over the years that teams know what they're getting. Yes. It showed that he's healthy again, which is great. I honestly believe that he wanted to come back and be there with his team because this was a kid who wore number 18. And that meant something to him as someone who transferred in from Missouri. He was LSU's rep for the leadership council uh, with the sec. He was at sec media days as one of their representatives. So this was clearly a guy that Brian Kelly, the staff, the players all viewed as a leader on the team. And he played like it uh, coming back all the way until the end. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, His mom was the team mom. I mean, they really immersed themselves in LSU after coming from Missouri. So um, let's see where he ends up in the NFL draft. I I don't know exactly what round he'll get picked in, but I do think he's a guy that has an NFL future.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'm interested to see how the you know pre-draft process goes. I think he's incredibly strong. A lot of his stuff, though, I do think is visible on tape more so than a guy who's going to test like out of this world, which is fine. Sure, um, and we'll see. Obviously, that will, there will be questions about uh, the injury and and whatnot. But as far as intangibles go, which I think will matter, um, and as far as tape goes, you're talking about as a true freshman or was on the all-freshman uh, SEC team. Uh, in his first year and then goes to lsu has a great sophomore season and has uh, a good season when healthy uh, as a junior so uh, congratulations to makai uh real quick we want to talk about just the defensive line and um yeah well
1: and i almost said blood sweat and tears would be a good time for me to and this is not an ad this is just us doing uh giving me a shout out to the folks on the board i'm in the blood sweat and tears shirt right now if you're watching online yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, our buddy Cordell music. Uh, okay. and you can check out his website, uh, C O R D A L E music, M U Z I K.com. Uh, but he's been a member of the site for a long time. He's relaunching yeah. his brand. He sent me a hoodie, uh, does some great stuff. He, uh, you might've heard his intros on the Jordy Collada show. Uh, but we'll link up with him sometime. we got to get him to do an in- intro for our pod. That'd be, that's what we go. need, Maddie P. When, once we go. get back settled into the pods each week, let's we'll get Cordell to drop us an intro. He'll rap about you, Maddie B. But yes, yeah, shout out. Me. If you if you like the sweatshirt, this is not a sponsored ad. This is just me showing love to uh, an LSU fan who's who's been on the board for a long time, loves recruiting, yep. loves the team. Uh but yes, this is the Makai Wingo uh sweatshirt of the day. Blood sweat and
0: tears. Blood, sweat, and tears. Um, um shout yeah, out LSU. him.
1: But I said it on the board and now that I'm thinking about it because the narrative has been Maddie B that LSU's D-line they really could like the perfect scenario would have been Mackay and Mason Smith coming back next year, which was your two starters. Mackay going pro is not a shock. I think all eyes are on Mason Smith given he missed a year with injury. He really didn't get to his norm kind of until the back half of the year. Does he come back for another season? We'll see. Uh, the NFL draft declaration date is still a little bit away here in mid-January. So he's got some time to talk to the coaches, figure things out there. Uh, but I said on the board that I feel like when LSU picked up Jordan Jefferson out of West Virginia, that nobody really, until you started doing your deep dives into the class and the hall was like celebrating. It reminds me a lot of Whit weeks when he committed, like it was probably a two page thread and everyone was on the board and everyone was like, cool, like nice ad. And then he's like one of the best players on your team suddenly. And I said, they needed another Jordan Jefferson to replace a guy like Makai Wingo and People will throw out names like a Walter Nolan and all these guys. You don't have to go get those guys. Like there are players like Jordan Jefferson out there who can add real value to your team and aren't some, you know, former five-star that everybody's talking about. They got him out of West Virginia. I almost feel like it's a Makai Wingo. You can find another Makai Wingo out there. Wingo, granted, was a freshman All-SEC performer at Missouri. But even then, nobody expected him to come to LSU and have the immediate impact he did a year ago then turn that into two years of being the best D lineman they had, not just like some piece that they got. Yeah. So whether you want to paint it as a Jordan Jefferson, a Makai Wingo type, how do you replace him? a Wingo, Maddie? B? Yes, there's other guys on the roster. But if we're talking about the portal, guys like Wingo and Jefferson weren't some highly celebrated, touted, everybody fought over them. It was just really good evals, and they came in and worked.
0: Yeah, really good evals. Um, and as we know, the the coaching uh, position, the defensive line position will be incredibly important this off season. And if Jimmy Lindsay is is the guy, then you know they're going to have to get him back and get him going throughout spring. I mean, it's just there's a lot of pieces here that are going to have to move. Uh, but on the defensive line, you've already lost Quincy Wiggins, Fitzgerald West, Taiji Hill, and uh, Bryce Langston, uh, and Jordan Jefferson, who is out of eligibility. And now you add Makai Wingo to that group, and I do think this becomes probably the highest need in terms of transfer portal additions at this point because you already have Jardin Gilbert in at safety. Uh, you you know, people will definitely say you need a cornerback or two, but I think defensive line right now, it is, you are in a desperate position. And like you said, I don't need home runs. I don't need triples. Uh, just hit me doubles like you did with Jordan Jefferson. And then obviously Makai Wingo ends up being a home run. But like, if you can just give me like those type of players that have proven that they can play at this level for year two. I understand that they're not in a position where they only need one year from guys. They need multiple years, but you just got Dominic McKinley. Uh, I love Gabe Relliford. And if you can go get another guy like Jordan Jefferson, I think that would be ideal. Assuming you keep Mason Smith, if Mason Smith goes, then I think all hands are, I, I have no clue where this goes. You just got to add a bunch of guys.
1: Can you kick a pair of Shand inside, or is there a D end on this roster that you say could play a different yeah. position?
0: Yeah, I think Sh- Shand is the one. Um, However, I do think he's probably more comfortable at defensive end or at that like um, outside technique p- position, just because he played that a little bit more at Arizona and uh, seemed more comfortable out there. So, um, you know, people thought Jacoby and Guillory. It's kind of I'm always Jalen like,
1: Lee still on roster Jaylen as a Lee, transfer. But Those are
0: guys that have now had what three years in SEC ball and haven't really done anything. Uh I, I would love a Jordan Jefferson that if when you when he turned on his tape at West Virginia, he's like, Okay, this guy's clearly a dude. And so um I think it becomes desperate. I think you the uh urgency is on 10 right now for defensive line, whether Mason Smith stays or whether whether he goes.
1: You know, uh, I was talking to some West Virginia fans in Tampa, and I didn't think of it this way, but they were telling me, uh, "Hey, look, we kind of thought we follow LSU, so Jordan Jefferson's been great. That was a great trade." And I was like, "For who? They're at Cole Taylor, the tight end. He's been our best player at tight end all season. I forgot about that. Looked him up. He had a very good year at West Virginia. So um, West Virginia considered that a win-win. LSU got a DT. They had some depth there, and." They got a tight end that they desperately needed a position. You had depth that. So um, a shout-out to Cole on the Taylor. Bowl game. I turned on their bowl
0: game. I turned on yeah. the bowl game against North Carolina, and I saw him. I was like, yeah, that guy. And they were talking about him having a great year. So shout-out to Cole Taylor.
1: So what do you think? They need one? Do you, or does it depend on – like with just Wingo gone, you, do you feel comfortable if they just get one transfer in?
0: Comfortable is a strong word, but it okay. would make so you feel are saying
1: better. they may need a couple?
0: It depends. Do we think McKinley is ready? To help well, him. I don't know
1: about that. I mean, relying on a true freshman so, is tough on the interior yeah, of an not SEC start D1. or
0: anything. But like to to be that the, on the second team, could he be on the second team? Like that is asking a lot. Um, but I think he would have to step in and be with Guillory and Lee. Like those, he'd have to be in that mix right away, which is possible. But um, you know, we uh, Billy just did a great story with uh, Charles Power and talking about his evaluation. He has to get more consistent and whatnot. So. That's a process, but you at least need one, and it depends on who that one is. If it's a Makai Wingo, if it's a guy like Jordan Jefferson, then okay, you're fine, but we'll see. I, I think that's the fascinating position that they're in right now.
1: All right. Now to the, uh, well, again, congrats to Mackay. And we'll have plenty of coverage on what's to come at D-line recruiting and portal and all that. But um, the not so great news, I guess, would be that um, maybe not to a surprise to anyone considered that we had reported the news that Lance heard the former five-star that signed with LSU out of Neville uh, by way of Bastrop previously uh, is, did not go to the bowl game, did not travel. And Kelly said, we'll talk to him afterwards, but Uh, Right now, he's evaluating his future. That told us, okay, he's clearly thinking about going into the portal. And then on Tuesday, January 2nd, he officially entered his name into the portal. Yeah, I'll let you give your thoughts. I'll share mine as well right here off the top. I think from talking to sources and understanding the reality, look, Lance Hurd came in here and said, Brian Kelly told the story of, he said, I get it. Yeah, you're starting Will Campbell at left tackle. Who was his high school teammate that played left tackle? He played right tackle. He said, I'm coming in to take his job. A year later, he did not take his job. Will Campbell started every single game. I guess the notable thing here would be he also did not take Emory Jones's job. And many people just figured from the outside looking in, oh, well, they'll just kick Emory Jones inside. They'll end up playing Hurd at right tackle. And that could have been true down the line, maybe. We'll see what Garrett Dellinger and Miles Frazier both do, whether it's returning for another year. They're LSU's current starters at guard. If they return for another year, they go pro, or if one or the other goes pro. But I trust here to, I could go into a few things and we can debate this, but I'll quickly say this and let you get your thoughts in. If Emory Jones was to slide, if like the five best players this year were Emory Jones sliding in and heard playing right tackle, Brad Davis and Brian Kelly, two O-line experts, would have done it. They weren't, they didn't, they stuck with miles Frazier and Garrett Dellinger. And I saw no reason for them not to, I never once this year thought, man, they should shake up this starting five that they were able to go with from game one all the way until the end.
0: And. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a complex topic. Lance Hurd. Lance heard is my number one player of the 2023 class still like at this. That's team, fair. I think he is. I think he is. Like I did it two weeks ago and I thought he's the best player still, But that being said, he didn't have a freshman year and he played a good amount of snaps. I believe he was sixth in in the team in terms of offensive line and snaps. He was truly the sixth man on the offensive line. Um, So he got a lot of looks, a lot of reps. And in those snaps, I believe it was like 170 or something. He had a good amount of holding penalties. He wasn't perfect on the outside. He had some room to grow. And because of that, I think it solidified the starting five that they had, the Frazier and Dellinger. Dellinger was probably never going to move. But that's the first thing is they didn't feel a need that, A, maybe he wasn't ready, or B, or both. The starting five that they had was clicking so well and with Jane Daniels that there was no need to change anything, all right? Um, you get into the offseason where maybe players could move, maybe they don't. I look at this also from another perspective of what if Emory Jones doesn't want to kick inside? What if Emory Jones is happy at tackle? What if he's like, I'm playing really, really, really well out here? I've maybe heard from like NFL people be like, hey, you're playing well at tackle. Maybe you have a future there. That's a possibility as well. I don't think people have considered. Um, but and if and if that's the case, then I'm keeping Emory Jones. Like, all right, I'm not losing Emery Jones because I, I want to keep Zalens hurt. With that being said, though, I think the ideal situation to me is kicking Emery Jones inside for one of pro- probably Miles Frazier and putting her at one of the tackle spots. How much does that maybe upset Jones or Campbell? That would be my main concern. But I'm not worried about losing Miles Frazier. Like, I, I would love to keep Lance Hurd, if at all possible. The problem for me is I think there's maybe more to this that I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's the know. thing.
1: What if he said, I don't want to play right tackle? I only want yeah, to play left tackle.
0: Exactly. There are layers to this to where – Maybe Hurd was being very specific. Maybe Jones didn't want to move. Maybe Campbell didn't want to move. Maybe, you know, they felt really, really good about Frazier and Dellinger coming back. There's so many layers to this that I I can't break it down. But at the end of the day, I do think it is a significant loss because I think Hurd is a really good player. And what could make it worse is if he goes to a competing team in the SEC. I do think that is that would compound things a bit. It's one thing if he goes to USC, well, they play USC, but if they, if he goes to a team that they don't play, Oregon or something, but if he goes to fill in the blank, A&M, Alabama, whatever, then it does compound things a bit. So it's not a good thing, but I can I think I admit there's enough factors here that I don't know that I'm comfortable with saying, okay, I trust Brad Davis and Brian Kelly to have made the right decision. If that is, if it was in their hands at all.
1: Yeah. I also think too, that the reality and you look, clip it and pull this up years down the road. I could be wrong. The NFL cares way more about length and hand size and all that at tackle and the value of it. than even sec college teams do. I will not be surprised at all. If, uh, if at the next level, if Will Campbell's a guy who plays guard, if Emory Jones, a guy who plays guard, that doesn't mean they're not really good SEC tackles. And that's what both of them are right now. They're really good SEC tackles who now have back-to-back years of starts under their belt. So choosing not to supplant them with a guy who has not played yet is not a shock to me. I, I'm fine with that. Like for all the people who are like, well, Amory's got to realize his future's at guard in the NFL. Well, okay. So is Will Campbell's maybe. Like that's just how a it lot of
0: yeah, a lot of college players that play tackle, move to guard, or guard. Like, it is a very flexible thing, depending on, like you said, the measurements and how they they play.
1: I'll just go back to this. Brian Kelly came here from Notre Dame, and he churned out O-linemen. During Brad Davis, to the NFL, during Brad Davis's three years here, he's done nothing but recruit and develop guys into very good O-linemen. I'll trust that those two guys, whatever role they had to play in this Lance Hurd decision, I think LSU fans just have to put their faith into them. Now you can say all you want about Kelly, you know, what's he going to do on defense? What's he going to do with house when it comes to O-linemen? I'll just trust Kelly and Brad Davis. They've got a track record of not screwing it up. And right now in the transfer portal era, like you said, there's so much more at play here where there could be tampering involved where Hurd's been promised a left tackle job somewhere. Well, if that's what he wants, then he's going to go
0: yeah exactly and
1: he's not starting over will campbell that's bottom line like if exactly if he you would have played it's not happening at lsu not next year
0: exactly and so that's what I'm, you would have had to had a complete shakeup of of him playing right tackle or jones moving inside or uh or kicking Fraser out or whatever you were doing on an offensive line that was a finalist for the joe moore award and that is complicated and so like i said the The main thing here, the main negative from LSU perspective is obviously you're losing a very talented player that could go to a competing school. And B, I do think there is now some concern in terms of the long-term tackle position in terms of 2025 after Campbell and Jones leave because it would have been very nice to slide Hurt in to that spot.
1: And Um, and now that you have the portal, if that's a real issue, you can find someone. And again, though, they've developed well to the point where now I look back at the early signing period and when Brad Davis took a 6-0 lineman and took an offensive tackle in Cohen Eccles, who was a one-time A&M commitment and a top 15 tackle in the country. Now it's like, huh, okay. I I kind of see why they might've done that now. They might have known that this could be something that was going to happen.
0: Yeah. And Eccles has positional vers- versatility. Weston Davis, we mentioned, is a um, a guy who will need probably a year to develop. So he plays it nicely. I mean, Hey, Tyree Adams out of high school 2023 class. We were relatively high on a four-star prospect there. So um, yeah, I, I don't it's not the end they of the world. They do like Tyree
1: Adams a good bit.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. So I'm saying it's not the end of the world. Like, like you said, they're gonna develop, they can get a portal guy or two, they'll be fine. Um, but that is where it's like, all right, it would have been ideally in LSU fans' head, it's like, all right, figure out a way to get hurt on the field as much as possible this year, and then after that. Boom, you have a full season of starting tape, which has been proven if you have a full season of being an all SEC player at a tackle position, you're going to get drafted. They don't care about what you did as a sophomore, as a freshman like that is that's been proven. I mean, we've seen Alabama do it, Georgia do it. Guys just plug in for an offensive line for one year or so and they're drafted. So that's the ideal you know, situation, but that's not what happened here. And there are so many factors that worked. And I don't know how, if I phrased it all right when I was trying to go through all the options, but there's so many factors here that it's not surprising that her eventually moves on.
1: I'll revisit one thing before we kind of move on here. You still ranked her number one. I'll give you other options that I could say could eventually supplant that in my mind or may in the yep. minds of some already be past him. Wit Weeks is a freshman in that group deshaun womack is a freshman in that group caleb jackson's a freshman in that group and we'll see what dj chester at center could have a very bright future with lsu yep. in that group and then throw in camorian pimpton at tight end throw in a kylan jackson at safety throw in these young corners well the safeties that went to corner whether yeah. it's toviano or stamps or so like i still think that yeah you can make the argument that he was the best piece to the 23 class i still think that there are some other guys in that class you could point to and say that guy was more valuable and i would throw a weeks a caleb jackson a chester again we'll see what pimpton holds womack into that discussion because i think that they belong in it
0: yeah for sure all right um the bowl game yeah we can talk talk a little
1: bit about the bowl
0: yeah yeah we were this was well we were going to get on here initially to talk about but um an hour later here we are okay playing. so they go down
1: 14 nothing and you thought they had no shot and then 98 yard drive in the fourth quarter and a few sacks later they win the game
0: yeah there you go there's the summary uh there it
1: is that's our bowl game reactions
0: down 14-0 I was just thinking to myself I, I figured this offense was going to get off to a slow start like I really it didn't shock me that and it's not even like wasn't even that slow of a start Nussmeier had the roll out the throw to Brian Thomas where Brian Thomas was out of bounds and Then they weren't able to the next drive. They They could have gone up
1: 7-0 on that drive. Yeah,
0: could have gone up 7-0. So it flipped very quickly and it gets to a 14-0 game where Wisconsin's offense looked like it was going to move with ease at times throughout the first half. And that was the real concern was, and I think Brian Kelly mentioned this post game. he's like, you know, the offense was going to find its footing. He was confident in that. He was confident in Garrett Nussmeyer and finding his footing. The problem was you're in a 14-0 hole, and then eventually it was a 28-14 hole. And it's like, can we get enough stops to where it even matters if our offense finds its footing or not, And which it did. And that was the difference was the defense finally came around in the fourth quarter. The defensive line played significantly better. Um, Matt House was, was trying different things. Um, ultimately, they the defensive line – the Jimmy's and the Joe's ended up making some plays up front and getting to Mordecai stopping the run. And that was the difference. I think on the defensive side of the ball. So good win. It would have been, it It felt like a relief to me. I don't know about you when they won the game, because I just kept thinking the whole time, man, if they lose this game, just how catastrophe syndrome the entire off season will be and the today will be because it, it would have been a bad loss. Like, let's not make a mistake about it. It would have been no, a bad no, loss. No, this was a
1: 7-5 and five Wisconsin team.
0: Yeah, it would have been a bad loss. They end up pulling it out, and, um, yeah, I, I think that everybody feels a lot better right now.
1: <laughs> I thought Nussmeyer played great. And the other that's the other thing is that now we're not entering an offseason where – and I'll start with this, the most important thing. They won 10 games in back-to-back seasons. That is stability. That shows coming off back-to-back 500 seasons – You got down to 38 scholarship players. You had your first losing season since 1999 when DiNardo got fired and they brought in Saban. And they move on from Coach O to Kelly. Kelly takes over a roster that he has to rebuild. And it hasn't been pretty the whole way. But to get to -to back-to-back 10-win seasons, to have a Heisman winner, is not what we expected this quickly. Yes, you want to be competing for championships, of course. They made the SEC championship in year one. They won the West in year one. They had a Heisman winner in year two. They had Malik Neighbors go out and break Josh Reed and Wendell Davis' records that stood for 20, 30 years at for most catches and most reception uh, receiving yards in program history uh, across a career. Now Malik Neighbors owns both those records. I think that there is a lot to take out of it that you're happy about. And now look, they have the number four class recruiting class in the country on on three. That could be back to back, top five classes. So these first two years of the Kelly era have brought certainly stability. And now they're back towards an eighty five man roster that you can feel better about. Yes, they have to clean up the defense, Yes, there will be some coaching changes, all these things. that happens. And thankfully, they had the best offense in the country this year because that's what helped get them to ten wins. And when I look at the bowl now, though, and Nussmeier steps in for his first start, winning and looking good, now saves us an off-season of Nussmeyer's not the guy. They need to go get someone beyond A.J. Swan in the portal. They've got to figure this out. You look at that game once.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes I add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start for Garrett Nussmeyer. And he puts up five yards short of 400. Throws for, and I, Matty B, clipped me. I called it. I said, he's going over 300. He's going to throw three touchdowns and he's only going to have one pick. And the one pick, I think that Brian Thomas thought Nuss was scrambling. So he broke his route off and then Nuss threw it. And so because Brian Thomas had stopped, it got picked. And you could see it on Nuss's face. He grabbed his helmet like, oh, like you just keep running. I was going to throw it to you. And had he hit him right there, if Brian Thomas keeps running, that could have may have been a touchdown. So I look at this game and for Nussmar, great game. They got him to shed that gunslinger mentality of, I'll just throw it around and whatever happens, happens. Beyond that interception, which again, I think Brian Thomas thought he was just scrambling and he breaks the route off and instead Nuss was just buying time and was going to throw to where Thomas was supposed to be that he didn't put anything into danger really. And he settled into a groove. And again, you mentioned it first drive of the game. If Brian Thomas keeps his feet in bounds, you score. I mean, that's, they're going to go down and score on that drive, but the 98 yard drive at the end, even then you see little flashes where it's his first start. Like that would have been a 98 yard score if he puts Chris Hilton's ball in play yeah. and the ball just sails on him and goes out of bounds to the right after Chris Hilton had four steps on the guy but then he hits Kyron Lacy, then he hits Hilton then he hits BT for the touchdown 98 yards later everyone thought okay there's no way they're gonna go down and try to kick a field goal no they go down and score take the lead defense gets a sacks but I thought it was a great game by Nussmeier and Definitely gives him that confidence boost going into the offseason that I can handle this. I'm the guy. The team sees it. I'm the guy. And now you move forward.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a perfect balance that he had uh, in being aggressive downfield and then taking what the defense gave, gave him. And early on, there were moments where it was like, oh, man, you had the the drag or you had the flat open. Maybe could have got a first. Um, all of that will come with time. My expectations of this game were exceeded. I, I do, I mean, in my opinion. I went into this game saying it was going to throw a pick. He threw a pick. But other than that, I thought the decision-making was there. Uh, he missed a couple throws, sure. But overall, I can't ask for much more. He played fantastic. And I think an offseason, with knowing he's the quarterback, knowing he's the guy, getting to work with receivers, all of those reps that Jaden Daniels got last year, going to Garrett Nussmeyer, will be incredibly valuable. And I'm not saying Nussmeier is going to be Jay Daniels. I don't think he'll be anything like that. I don't think they'll have the number one offense in the country next year, but the drop-off is not going to be from Heisman winner to, man, we need a quarterback, man, we're with no. Auburn and whoever else that doesn't have a quarterback. This is, like I said, going into the year, I think Nussmeier, I said in the early in the year he was a top half of the quarterback in the SEC. I still believe that. Next year he's going to be a top five quarterback in the SEC at the very yes. least in my opinion.
1: 100% and That's
0: what you can work with. And we don't even know what receivers he has exactly at this moment. Well, and
1: Here's the other thing. Every game is not going to look like that. I mean, he nearly hit 400 yards. Every game won't look like that one because the reality is without Jane Daniels legs, I think that Garrett will run the ball. Some, I mean, Josh Williams talked about this. He, They all wear the, you know, monitors on their chest every day. So they know everything about how fast you go, what you're doing. And he was like, he hits 20 miles an hour in practice all the time on running plays. So like, you can run the football with Nuss a bit, not like Daniels, but more so you're going to run the football with your backs. And that's Caleb Jackson, Josh Williams, Trey Holly, whomever it might be. Caden Durham's coming in. yeah. But when you get down 14-0, you can't really establish a run. So then it became on Nussmeier to throw the football. And that's where it was. So at no point in that game was it ever like, let's establish the run when they're getting into games next year, and Nussmeier has got now a start under his belt, he'll have a full off season again under his belt as QB one, getting those QB one reps that there'll be so many more games where they have that healthy blend of running the football with those guys and then Nuss throwing it. I also think, and I talked about this in the pod and we agreed Jaden Daniels didn't need a tight end. Like it was, I can throw to these two or three receivers or I can do it myself and that's fine. Like, perfect. You won the Heisman Nuss and a tight end fit perfectly. And Mason Taylor goes out and has 88 yards. That was his best game of the year because <laughs> Nuss needed a Mason Taylor. And he, you know, certainly did well enough uh, to show that he can throw to the tight ends. Now you've got pimped in, you've got trade as green coming in. You've got weapons at that position and Mason Taylor coming back to where between tight end and running back, like LSU is always going to have receivers between tight end and running back. I think they're going to be much more involved next year with Nuss as a quarterback.
0: Yeah, it's a great that's a great point. And this was only three weeks of prep with him as the starter. And like I said, throughout the season, an offense built around Garrett Nussmeyer will be very different than an offense built around Jane Daniels. Uh, to your point of not needing Taylor and some of the checkdown options, Jane Daniels was his own checkdown option. Whenever there was nothing there, he yeah, could he's going run it. For five yards. Yeah, he could scramble for ten yards. He can make things happen here. He was a, I mean, he is a an exceptional. I mean, he's a Heisman winner right that's what you expect from him and Nussmeyer. I don't believe he's at that level as far as playmaking goes but as far as a passer and what the offense can and will be next year I'm very very excited and I'm glad that he showed everybody what he's capable of because this is a guy who I saw we saw as a freshman I saw him throwing next to Max Johnson I said the ball looks different coming out of his hands than does Max Johnson's hands it was a little bit different of a pop and clearly this dude just has an arm he's a oh real-
1: you saw it many times I talked to some sources after the game in this morning who were like LSU fans knew he had an arm like y'all saw it when he actually you know gets his feet settled clips his hips and throws it the ball flies out of his yep. hands I mean he so, can and that deep ball to Brian Thomas jr was oh gorgeous chef's kiss just right there BT BT in stride catches it and just a few feet down easily in the end zone and you're right back in business.
0: Yeah. Every time he, th- every time he threw one of those deep balls, I was in my in my apartment just watching the game. And I just stood up, just stood up. I was like, this is going somewhere, somewhere over there. <laughs> I don't know where. Um, but yeah, Nussmeier, great game from him. Uh, Caleb Jackson, only two carries, which, which was weird. Uh, He'll be
1: way more involved next year. I think that the running, everyone's like, Oh, what's up with the running back rotation? You had They're going to play Josh Williams and Josh Williams already said he's going to come back. A lot of that goes back to what Brian Kelly's talked about a lot that Caleb doesn't know all every blocking assignment in a game like that, where you're down 14 and you're throwing the football, a guy like Josh Williams or Noah Kane, they're going to be in the game because they're fifth year players or whatever that know exactly what to do at all times and are going to pick up blocks for you or release for you at the right time or whatever it is. So. I think Caleb Jackson got hurt a little bit in that game by the fact that they went down 14 nothing, and it was like, all right, we're gonna have to throw it now, and these other guys are gonna need to play.
0: Yeah. So um the running backs played all right. Caleb uh, Jackson
1: will be that dude next year.
0: Yeah. And I didn't think the I didn't I didn't think the run blocking was great early on. You know, they end the game with 3.9 yards per carry. Uh receiver wise, you already mentioned it, Mason Taylor, Kyron Lacy, Brian Thomas, uh lead the way there, Chris Hilton. Uh, touchdown grab really nice uh, touchdown reception yeah. there malik breaks the record
1: you talked about charles or uh, you talked about the o-line and in the run game charles turner got blown up a bit that fourth and one yeah. he got really blown up on um but there's the reality that you have to look to as well that nuss they didn't have any designed runs for nuss in this game. it wasn't any of that he dropped back probably 50 times he threw 40 something pass he had 45 passes no sacks so I don't know if I would have gone into that game and been like, "Oh yeah, they'll never even sack Nussmeier, like never, not once."
0: Yeah. So, um, which is credit to both the offensive line and Nussmeier. The pass and protection out. of that offensive line is just elite, and it'll be elite next year too. Um. All right. Let's. But flip it. Uh, you, we
1: we, I, we glossed over their neighbors. Shout out to breaking oh, both yeah. those records. That was big time. And then BK sat him at halftime, and BK said he fought him over it. He wanted to just keep going, but. Bk like the wise old man that he is says you're a top ten pick you should probably just chill out and let Chris Hilton and Kyron and BT take it from here
0: yeah I mean down touchdown he's that's a Malik Neighbors is a winner and he's a great player so excited uh, for him at the next level wherever he gets drafted hopefully it's a good situation with a good quarterback
1: and he hasn't even declared yet so whenever that does happen don't be shocked he's a, he got yeah. sad at halftime for a reason
0: yeah he's okay he's all right. Um, the bigger question, which I don't know anything about or anything, is uh, Brian Thomas. We'll see what his when his decision comes out. He said he's already made it. He's just gonna announce
1: he's got to go uh, pro.
0: Yeah, I've seen mock drafts with him at like top twenty picks at this point. I mean, I
1: think he's the first. I thought he was a T Higgins type that would be a top fifty pick that would really land in the thirty to forty range, maybe on day two, like yeah. one of the first off the board. After a while, now, then when you see him again in this game as wide receiver one two touchdowns put the team on his back you go to him when you needed him most at the end to get the game winning touchdown i think he's the first round pick i think they'll have three first round picks with daniels neighbors and and then bt yeah judy was boring hello then judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
0: it's my little escape
1: now judy's the life of the party
0: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa take it easy judy <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crazy. All right. Uh, flip it to the defense. Oh, oh.
1: Tanner Mordecai, career-high game in passing for uh, what during his time at Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, looked shocked? Like SMU, looked like SMU Tanner Mordecai out there. We got 500 he, yards
1: actually... of total offense on LSU's defense. Are you shocked? No. You know how many times I've had to hear this year over the press box of them come up and be like, and that is a career-high passing day for the quarterback of the other team.
0: Yeah. Um, I did go into this game. I think this is an actual – okay, how do I phrase this? This is an indictment on LSU's defense to the level where I didn't expect it. And most of the time, I expected Ole Miss to score on LSU. I expected Alabama to score on LSU. Missouri, uh, go down the list of teams I expected to score on LSU. Put them on one side. Not, but then out. I feel like we've had a pretty good handle on who's not going to score on LSU, right? Auburn, Army, jo- Auburn, Georgia State, um, Mississippi those, State, Mississippi State. Thank you. Like those teams, we put them in. We've we've had a very good delineation of who's going to score on them and who's not.
1: Yeah, I good offenses expect- score on them. Bad offenses
0: don't really. Exactly. Wisconsin, I put on the side of, I didn't expect them to score on them because they didn't have Braylon Allen and they haven't scored on anybody this year. They haven't. When they had in- Braylon
1: Allen, who's going to be a first running back, second running back taken.
0: Exactly. And they haven't scored in the 30s since I believe September 22nd. And it is January 2nd right now. I put them on that side for a reason. And so I do think it is a very damning performance that you have your entire defense. You've had 15 practices with them. Basically, like we've said, a full spring ball to practice with them. And you still get carved up. Tanner Mordecai still throws for 400 yards on you in three touchdowns. And they still almost lose the game because through three quarters, you allow 31 points to Wisconsin. That is, I I was an optimist of sorts, but throughout the entire season, it's been like, all right, we know who they can stop. We know who they can't. Wisconsin on paper, Phil, fell squarely in the category of teams they could stop and they didn't even with a month to prepare and um, as much as I think I've given Methouse a lot of leeway because I've continued to be like, hey, personnel, personnel like they are inexperienced, they're starting safeties at corners, they're doing all this stuff. That was a really, really bad performance, in my opinion.
1: It was the D lines gap assignments and and sort of sticking to them were bad. The We already know the DBs have had their rough go all year. We even saw Witt Weeks and them missing tackles. Here's my thing. We can talk about house and what coaching changes y'all want as fans, all you want. We could do that for four hours on a yeah. podcast and sit here. We could talk about the personnel and the limitations and not being able to run different things because of it all day. The tackling and the angles were the worst I've seen maybe all year. They were so bad. At tackling, and that's why Wisconsin put up 500 yards and 31 points. They couldn't tackle, and that's the most fundamental, elementary part of playing defense: is taking the correct angle and tackling. And they were so bad at it.
0: Yeah, and that's where. As much as I've, again, I've continued to say, like, I, the personnel on this team is not good, but they've also haven't used it correctly, the good personnel that they do have, right? Like the Harold Perkins and the Whitweeks and the Omar Spates, and, in theory, from Omar Spates from Oregon State, uh, Deshaun Womack, you go down the list, Raiden Swenson. And now you have a month to prepare against a Wisconsin team that didn't throw new at you, was very much, has done what it's done all season, and, You weren't able to stop it because, like you said, the gap integrity wasn't correct. Your your defensive line looked lost at times. Um, You blitzed, but the blitz wasn't didn't look like it was coming from the correct spots in terms of filling your gaps and getting a free rusher off the edge. Like it felt like the six against a five were just mismatched, and it allowed Tannehill to have time and one on one situations with receivers against a defensive back unit that we've said is undermanned and under experienced. So even,
1: even the run game without Braylon out, I saw their third string running back go for a 38 yard or whatever, I 33 that, yard that was touchdown. running back, four string running back, go 30 something yard touchdown untouched yeah. running yeah. in between the tackle, like running up the middle yeah. untouched.
0: Yeah. So it was
1: so painful to
0: watch. Yeah. And so that's, that's where it gets to, um, I, this was one of the more depressing performances of the year defensively, and in, in a year that had a plenty,
1: a lot of depressing of, performances, de- of
0: disappointing outings. This one was one where I was genuinely like, "What well, Wisconsin should not be scoring in the high twenties on you, let alone thirties. And LSU looked helpless. And now, it, the the biggest thing to me is it makes you question. We haven't heard any coaching changes yet, but it makes you question you've had a month to work with these guys now after the season. And it looks the same as it did against Texas A&M. So why am I going to believe that in spring ball, when you have two months to work with them, that they're going to make a drastic step forward at those positions? Why am I to believe that in fall camp in a month, it's going to take a drastic step forward. That's how I would look at it. And, that's the most alarming thing to me. And so that's where I'm at uh, right now.
1: Well, and I look at this too at the end of the game and give them give them props here, and I will. Yeah. Wisconsin comes out of halftime, they scored immediately. And it was like, all right, down by 14, 14 again. Like, here we go. And then the ne- every other possession the rest of the way resulted in for Wisconsin's offense, punt, field goal, punt, punt, turnover on downs where they sacked them a ton on that final drive and LSU wins the game. And Brian Kelly was asked what changed. And he said, basically, at halftime and after that first drive where they came out and scored, and this was, uh, you can take it how you want. This is just what he said. He said, the guys, you can, meaning, I don't know if that means the players, the coaches. I took that meant to mean the players. But he said, the guys were wanting to go back to base defense. So we got back into base. And then it made it difficult on Wisconsin. And then he said, then we decided to start overloading the blitz to make sure they didn't have the time to get the ball off. And they sack him, sack him, sack him, sack him. And it was like, all right, then why weren't, where was this all game?
0: Like, you had a month to prepare. <laughs> this is not a complicated Wisconsin offense. You're not playing Lane Kiffin. You're not playing Eli Drinkwitz. You're not playing any of these teams. You're not playing Florida State out here with Keon Coleman dunking on you. This is Wisconsin. And, I compared them to, like, again, I went into this game saying Wisconsin's, like, the Big Ten's version of, like, Auburn. And Wisconsin, for two quarters and one drive, put up 28 points on you, and then you figure out something to change. Credit, you figured it out. Cool. You still almost lost the game because you couldn't figure it out for two quarters here. And... It's just it's it's ridiculous. Maddie B's
1: watched too much LSU defense this year. He's mad I watched now. Too much
0: bad defense. I've watched too much bad defense. For Danny, of-
1: as someone who also graduated from North Texas, yeah, and the only defense that was worse than LSU's was North Texas's. So.
0: Yeah. The two biggest disparities between offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, LSU won North Texas two. Those are the two. And those are the two teams that you watched every Saturday. Congrats, so, Maddie B. Yeah, it's it is um, not looking good. I just that was the most. That was the most disappointing thing to me was I believed with a month of preparation, this was going to show like, hey, we get this guy in a better spot. We know how to execute this. Or we know how to tackle or we know how to slow down Wisconsin without Braylon Allen. And they couldn't. So Tandemore, i carving you up. When well, people who about-
1: fear that, oh, it there's no way it'll just be the same next year. I don't quite. And look, again, we'll see whatever coaching changes come. I'm just and, and personnel wise, all that. The personnel a year ago was certainly better at DB, at corner for sure. Because and they had taken some transfers. You had Jay Ward on that team. Obviously, we talked a ton about Garner and Converse and what they did for him and allowed them to do more things. But those were not all. Like Jay Ward's a great player. Those aren't all world players. And they still had a the number sixty defense in the country or whatever, like middle of the road defense. Which when you have the number one offense in the country they might've been undefeated this year if they had the number 60 defense in the country, just not number hundred and something. And Matt House was considered like a halftime guru a year ago because they would go out in the first half and not look great, come in, make adjustments. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, the other team only scored a touchdown the entire second half or two field goals, the entire second half. And LSU won the game. That wasn't there this year again, pin it on whatever it might be. But my point being, we saw such a big gap and jump from a year ago to this year going from a uh, middle of the road D to the one of the worst defenses in college football and not that much really changed. Yeah, you lost some guys but they weren't former five stars. They weren't yeah. all world players. I think that you the O'Jalaris all them yes like when you lose those kind of players that stings.
0: Brooks. Greg Brooks, Greg
1: Brooks obviously and Greg Brooks had had Greg Brooks remained healthy and and we Obviously, prayers and thoughts are, are yeah. with him during his long battle, but he changes things for you because he plays everything. He can you can put him at corner and he'll yeah, play corner. Ball. He can do anything you want him to do, much like a Jay Ward, much like a Converse. Yeah. Maybe you have some of that next year on the roster. I don't know. But or we'll see at least. I don't think that they just dwell in the hundreds. They'll figure a way to get back to the middle of the pack. And I'm not going to sit here and promise I'll have a top 20 defense. That'd be ludicrous of me, but they did it last year with a defense that was not, that was being yeah. built up from 38 scholarship players. Yeah. Like it can happen. There weren't a bunch. They didn't have George's defense last year where it's like, oh, they lost a bunch of first rounders or anything yeah. like that. It was, Hey, Richard Lawrence, so it was guys who were good players and are playing in the NFL, and Roy, all them at the same time. The drop off shouldn't be to hundred and something. So you should be able to make that gap, you know, back up. I think
0: this offseason. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think I, I don't know if House is retained, but even if House is retained, like there, there should be. You can't get worse, and I truly believe that you cannot get worse. I cover, like I said, I don't I think they'll stay the same
1: year. either. Is what I'm saying. They'll yeah. get. They'll be the. The results will be better next year. It it will be. It almost has to be.
0: Yeah, it it has to be. So that's where um, it'll be interesting now to see where they go um, in the transfer portal. And Denver Harris and Deuce Chestnut have entered the portal since the last time. I know we did a podcast, which was about nine days ago or so. Not
1: well, shocking on either of them.
0: Before the Before the preview podcast, I should say. Yeah, again, not shocking there. But we'll see how close they are to like the 85-man cap now being – a factor is something else that will be interesting to watch for. But the other thing
1: is at the end of the year, they're playing two corners who are signed at safety. I think stamps can play corner. I think Proviano is clearly probably more of a nickel or a safety, but you're in a bind and it's like, Hey, we need you to come down and play corner. So maybe he goes back into a nickel role. Maybe he goes back into a safety role. The reality is Sage was their best corner this year and he's a safety. So then stamps comes out today and says, Shout out to the fans for supporting me. The coaches who allowed me to stay out there and battle with my team. Wish me luck on my surgery. I've been playing injured, and it's like, oh well, that can like stamps was often there, and then and he's a true freshman, but yeah, there to make the play, and it's just like oh, I didn't make it, and then you realize, oh, he's battling an injury. I'm assuming it's going to be upper body, to where, and I'm sure all the former athletes here could speak to it that are listening. That if you're playing injured you go from like a hundred percent efficiency to 70 or whatever. And that could be that kind of gap between 70 and hundred where you don't make that play or you don't make that tackle or whatever it might be, let alone that he's a true freshman. So I think the more you kind of take a step back and understand that there's probably a lot going on that we aren't privy to, yeah. then you start to realize, okay, like you said at midseason, you're like, man makai wingo looks banged up he doesn't have that burst that he had and then suddenly it was he's having season ending surgery because he has now been playing through an injury that he wants to play through but now it's time to go ahead and get it cleaned up so that kind of stuff happens all the time and now as the season ends it's not a shock at all when you look to the off season and you suddenly see Six guys on D had shoulder surgery or something to where they were like, oh, they were playing banged yeah. up. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying you had such limitations. And when you have limitations and those guys are injured or young or whatever it is, it just compounds it.
0: Yeah. Um, I will say right now, I want JV and Toviano starting at nickel next year. I just You want nickel? I want, yeah. I just want him right. full-time nickel. Um, I want Harold Perkins, either one of inside or Jack. I want them to figure it out and play him there uh the entire well,
1: great year. pin and Whit weeks are going to play inside and i'm perfectly fine with that
0: yeah so i wherever they want to put harold perkins pick one of the two train them they have a much better idea than me as far as where he's um where they want to try him out but when we went to the bowl practice i sat there and watched him work with jancic on pass rushing moves for a good 15 minutes just one-on-one so i do think they have a long-term like vision of him maybe playing trying to play jack a little bit next year but that's off the topic um just some thoughts there uh um, i was going
1: down my 10 wins 10 takeaways we've hit on almost all of them a quick quickly i want your reaction here is are you okay and i think everyone's good with running back um and again running back we've seen it this year as a position freshman can step into so they'll have caleb jackson love trey holly you'll get josh williams back most likely he's a great veteran to have and then you bring in caden durham I think they will be fine there. We are now, at least for now, we're going to say we feel very good about Nussmeyer. They brought in AJ Swan. You've got competition there. Someone who started double digit SEC games. So I'm fine there. We know their tight ends are going to be good. Mason Taylor showed it with his 88 yards that yep. Nuss will look to tight end trade as green is the number one tight end in the country. He arrives to campus here soon. And then you've got Camorian Pimpton entering year two, who was a top five tight end a year ago with, Him and Green, you're talking about six, six six-and-a-half tight ends with catch radiuses that are through the roof. So you've got options in the passing game there if you want to play two tight ends. But at receiver, we got to get a little taste of more of Kyron Lacy, who's coming back, Chris Hilton, who's coming back. You've seen Aaron Anderson a little bit. We haven't seen a ton. But they bring in Xavion Thomas from the portal. He had a great year for State in a very bad passing offense. He comes back to Louisiana. And then you've got guys like Shelton Sampson and there's all those freshmen that redshirted. Uh, that, you know, presuming they don't hit the portal that these guys will be back. Do you feel good enough about, like for me, receiver, I never worry about at LSU. Are you good with this group? You can't always have yeah. Malik Neighbors. You're not always going to have Jamar Chase. You're not always going to have Jefferson. You're not always going to have a Brian Thomas who led the nation in touchdown catches, 17. Yeah. But do you feel good about this group? Or do you, are you sitting here saying, I want to see them add – another portal guy i would i mean sure if you add another portal guy great but are you okay with this group
0: yes i'm okay with this core i'm okay with lacy um hilton the the big thing was hilton is just staying healthy man that's all we know he can play we know he He wasn't healthy
1: at all for two years and now he stayed healthy for a full year and you see what you get i mean he is a speedy athletic pass catcher
0: yeah him with with nuss is just incredibly fun so i again healthy hilton Kyron Lacey, um, those two I'm I'm really happy with. We'll see, you know, Aaron Anderson, how he looks. I still think coming off of that knee surgery, um, he had similar to Mason Smith in a way is that like year one is you're not a hundred percent even if you think you're a hundred percent. Yeah. So we'll see what he looks like and over. On Thomas, and then Xavier Thomas, who I like and I think you know could fill that Malik Neighbors type role. So. Yeah, I, I like the group. I like the group. Would I be opposed to them going and trying to take a big swing at somebody on the portal? No, but I don't know how many big swings there are yeah. worth taking right now at this moment. Like, how many players are better than how many receivers are better than Xavier Thomas right now in the portal? I don't know the answer to that, but it can't be more than like.
1: Or how player. many right? Or how many receivers out there could you go get that you couldn't just put Shelton Sampson out there and him start to develop and become a better player? Then
0: yeah. And you have to think, you know, if you do add a portal player, a portal receiver, then, you know, maybe it disgruntles some receivers. Hey, your boy,
1: our, your boy Kyle and Billy Ott's tearing up um, practices today in San Antonio of day one, making catch after catch and and dudes and one-handed and sideline grabbing. So hey. you could tap into a true freshman if you have to. They redshirted them all this year. But then again, like I said, you're not always going to have a neighbors who led the country in receiving yards and a Thomas who led the nation in receiving touchdowns. So For me, I just don't worry about receiver. When you're recruiting Louisiana, you're you're always going to have guys.
0: Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I do feel good about that. Last thing real quick. I don't know, like, were you disappointed at all that we didn't get to see some of the other young guys? I understand. No, and I said that on the pod
1: because I said that I think this game will probably end up being one that it's just like it's going to be the same. If it's close, it was just going to be the same personnel they played all year as it should have been. Like, you had to win the game.
0: Yeah, I agree. You couldn't lose that game. And the
1: disappointment is yeah, they didn't win by 30, and then we could have seen everybody.
0: Exactly. And Brian Kelly would not have caught any um he would not have he would not have caught the benefit of the doubt if they had lost the game. He'd been like, well, we got to play we got to play Jalen Brown a receiver. We got to play yeah. Ricky Collins a quarterback. Like that would not have mattered to fans. It would have been like, hey, you can't lose to Wisconsin.
1: No, so you gotta win you gotta the, gotta game. the game. stability. I think 10 wins. That was awesome to see. Um, I guess as we wrap up here and look again, we'll cover you guys on staff changes. Look, they have to find an offensive coordinator, whether that's on staff now or whether that's getting someone, they have to figure out things on defense. Certainly I can tell you with not for a fact, but hearing enough from enough people, I trust that multiple changes will be made on the defensive side with position coaches and We'll see what Brian Kelly does here in the coming weeks, but he said, look, I'll evaluate it. I often point to a year ago. Look, Nick, said, like when people are like, well, the timeline, the timeline, the timeline Saban didn't hire his offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator until February last year. So like these guys, these coaches who have been around the block and all that, they're going to operate on their own timeline and the season's over now. And Kelly said, I'm going to, I'm deep into evaluations and I'd know too, at least on defense, the spots that they've been feeling out, the coaches that they're after, they've been going after him for like a month now. Like this isn't something he's just now going to start. It's already in motion. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But your best memory from the season, maybe to close things out here, in a year where uh, LSU's offense finished number one with a Heisman winner and a receiver who broke two of the most impressive records that were held by LSU uh, catches and. Receiving yards for a career by Malik Neighbors.
0: Best moment. um,
1: Maybe not moment, but when you think back on this year, if you have to pick something positive, the easy answer is they want a Heisman. I think that's so easy to gloss over as if Heisman's grow on trees around here. We went 60 years between the first one, Billy Cannon, and the second one, Joe Burrow. Now they go five years and they've got two. It's turning into... Like a little mini Oklahoma, where all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, every few years you get a Heisman winner at quarterback. That's just what it is.
0: Heisman, you. There you go. Um, I, I Jaden Daniels. I think I'm trying to remember what. I mean, the Florida game is the most. Missouri. Oh yeah, Missouri. Yeah. When he came I, out of was, the injury, Kent went straight dog mode on him. The home games to me are are the ones that obviously I'll remember more because I was there. So it's um- you were at Bama. <laughs> Yeah, I was a Bam. <laughs> that was a great. I mean, obviously, I'll remember that environment and that game um, as a long time, but uh, the Florida game and then ultimately the A&M game, too. But the Florida game, specifically, Florida
1: was so the- silly.
0: The Florida one it to was me was so one easy. where I was just, I've never seen anything like that. He broke my brain in terms of what I thought a player could do on a football field. And that was
1: that the- 50 something yard run where he was, that was yeah. a pass and he was like, all right, I don't see anyone open. I'm going to run. And it was just, like, the all-22 view of that that they show where he's just, like, casually gliding around an SEC defense and nobody touches him. And by the 10-yard line, he's just looking back, like, okay, all right, nobody's here.
0: Yep. Um, so, yeah, the Florida game, to me, is the one I think I'll remember for for, for a long, long time. That was a really interesting.
1: Missouri one. is such a better win now than anyone realized at the time. But for him to go into the injury tent –
0: Incredible. And then come
1: back out and lead two straight drives, touchdowns into the fourth quarter when the game was crazy.
0: Superman. He's Superman. That's that's what it is. He was he was Superman for this team. So shout out to him. Uh shout out for an incredibly fun season to everybody involved. Um obviously the defense made it a lot more of a roller coaster than I think most people wanted, but we'll remember it one way or the other Here's for football. being a hey, crazy year.
1: And Brian Kelly, he said it in his post postgame. LSU put out a video of it. And the reality is two years in a row, like this year they should not have lost at Ole Miss. When you put up 600 yards or whatever and score 49 points, you should never lose a football game. They would have been 10-2 and two and played in the year's six bowl. A year ago, they should not have lost that last game to A&M. Now, granted, A&M stepped up. They played at their talent level yeah. and won that football game. But had they won that game – they were a 10 and two team going to a new year six bowl. You would have been not in these cheese It bowl and rely quest bowl. you would have been playing new year, six bowls and an sec West champ and a Heisman winner your first two years after taking over a scholarship or a team that had 38 scholarship players. Like that's wild. Now they're learning how every game counts. And Brian Kelly, what I'm saying is Brian Kelly told the team afterwards, you got the 10 wins again. We can do that in the regular season. With an expanded playoffs, you guys are in the playoffs now. You win 10 games, you're in the playoffs. If you're an SEC team and you're 10-2, and you're probably getting into the playoffs. So, yes, I know OU and Texas are coming in. Yes, I know that that makes things a little bit tougher. Yes, I know they're getting rid of divisions, which honestly helps the West teams more than the East for a year. But if you win 10 games next year, you're in the playoffs. That's the only goal, get in the playoffs. And people are asking, can you compete in year three? Oh, don't pretend they're so far away from it right now, considering they hit 10 wins both years.
0: Yeah. Ten and it's four, right ten.
1: there for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right there for sure. So with that being said, um, we can wrap it up. Busy yeah, we made it in time. an
1: hour. It's not even a mailbag pod, but we talked forever. Just me yes, and you. I think
0: this is our first non-mailbag hour podcast, but we had so much to, to cover there. Um that was good, and hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you all had a great new year. I uh, hope you all had a great holiday season. Back to work for everybody, and uh, back to the grind now. LSU, obviously, uh, we'll see the portal window closes um, for LSU. Uh, yeah, this week. Yeah. Yep, so. this week. So we'll have all that covered. And then – a, a reminder,
1: that- grad transfers can don't use the port. They can just come and go yeah. whenever. So this Thanks. is only for underclassmen.
0: Exactly. So, and then after that point, um, we wait until spring ball. And that's when uh, the second portal window opens after that was late April. I believe it is. Somewhere yeah. Along that lines. And,
1: so. and I guess another reminder would be you don't have to be committed anywhere. You just have to be in the portal. So like right. LSU can be picking up guys after this week that are in the portal. They just have to be in by then. So I think that's what people are watching is what LSU guys are in by this week. And then you move forward. Uh, but wrapping up here, uh, Billy and I will have a recruiting pod this week, multiple recruiting pods, because on Wednesday, Harlan Berry, the number one running back in America for 2025, announces his decision. LSU's the on three RPM leader. And then on the six, which would be three days after that, Bryce Underwood, the number one overall player in the country, quarterback out of Belleville, Michigan, will announce his decision. LSU also the on three RPM leader there. So, When you talk about what can can winning a Heisman and having the number one offense do for you? I think maybe something like that. Get the attention of the number one quarterback in America and keep things rolling on the recruiting trail. So good time to be an LSU fan right now. I know it might not feel like it with Lance Hurd leaving and the defense and what coaching changes are going to happen. But trust me, focus on the bright side here. You've won 10 games that stability this was a team coming off again the first losing season since jerry dinardo in 99 and they managed to reel off back-to-back 10 win seasons under kelly to start out the kelly era entering year three and maybe two back-to-back top five classes and now as we turn the page to 2025 uh, and we're still waiting on terry bussey another 2024 kid who will announce in february but they just got a five-star in don mckinley can they keep it rolling with harlem berry and Bryce Underwood, two more five stars. Times are uh things are going well. Trust me. Every team but like four or five out there would trade spots with LSU right now.
0: Yes, for sure. Um with that being said, leave us a like, comment, share, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Thank you all for joining us. Leave us a five-star rating review on the audio side if you are listening on Spotify or Apple. We appreciate all of you. Um, we have plenty of content coming up on the site. Like Shay said, I'm going to start diving into basketball even more deeper than what I've been doing. So, um, yeah, stay tuned for all of that. And we will talk to y'all later.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.